are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producer shop talk we are here on a friday with you number three of the sessions we're doing with kevin ring from the institute of work comp professionals out of Asheville, north carolina and we are going to talk about one that is actually immediately relevant in my agency And I know that a lot of you have struggled with this, but it has to do with ownership changes and how they affect the workers' compensation program for a company. So, Kevin, I could almost just let you do a freaking soliloquy on this the entire time because I can't bring much to the table. I was telling Kyle, I was telling Kevin when you were uh, in between, we were in between the podcasts that, you know, you have this account we're working on right now. Yeah. And you're consistently coming to me and saying, hey, what about this? What about?" And my answer is always the same. Fill out the ERM, fill out the ERM, fill out the ERM. Because, I look, if there's a place in anything at all with workers' comp where I would say that I'm weak, that's where it is. I don't – I just don't – have not taken the time to learn. And, again, it goes back to what I tell people all the time. It's This is a me problem. I haven't made it a priority. Now it's going to be a priority because I don't like not knowing stuff. But – I've just not really spent the time to dive into the mechanics on what happens when entities, you know, merge or are acquired or whatever else. So I'm I'm extremely interested to hear and, mm-hmm. and I got to believe Kevin's going to bring the heat on this cuz this is the topic he this is one of the topics he mentioned that he wanted to talk yeah. about. So Kevin, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you let you talk a little bit and then Kyle, you can sort of lay out what you're dealing with right now and hear what Kevin has to say about that. Mhm. Well, the the first thing <clears throat> that I want to say, and I apologize, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm clearing my throat a lot, but um, is that these, the rules that I'm about to talk about are specific to NCCI. The, the rules are wildly different in Pennsylvania and Delaware. They're slightly different in California. Everywhere else deals with this uh, you know, fundamentally the same way, uh, which is that common majority ownership drives the experience mod. So all I'm talking about here is how this impacts the experience mod. It does not matter how the policies are written. If I own a flower shop and I own a dynamite manufacturing facility and both of those are based in NCCI states, they are going to share an experience mod. It does not matter that they're on two different policies. Um, And it doesn't have to be just a single person. It can be, you know, a collection of people. So if, uh, if David and I own company a 50, 50, 
And then David, Kyle, and I own another company, 33% each. Well, between Kevin and David, we own more than 50% of both entities, and they're going to be on the same mod. Uh, and I love the gray areas of workers' compensation, but I tell people all the time, uh, this is not a gray area. Uh, it is required by the rules that if if entities share common majority ownership, that they be combined. And NCCI's rules about what happens if they aren't appropriately combined essentially say that they can do whatever they want going back as far into the past as they want. And so this becomes an issue when you have a client that owns multiple businesses and they don't want them combined. Yeah, so what is the thought process behind that from – you know, the, um, so, because so, the business owner obviously is going to have questions about that. They're like, well, you know, why do I need, and, and I know one of the answers, you know, in my head, but I think that a lot of people probably have that question. And I know that the business owners do. Meaning why is the rule, the rule? Oh, yeah, the way mean, the, 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 yeah, why? yeah. Why? Okay. So if, you know, if I've got a flower shop and a dynamite shop, those are two starkly different things. Why are they on the same mod? Right. Well, and, and I'm very fond of the answer that, you know, the why isn't my business? You know, the you when you when you buy the policy, the policy says that it's governed by the manuals of rates and rating plans approved in the states where the policy is effective. And this is the rule to, to a, a certain extent. And and we we have children. We understand, you know, how unsatisfying because I said so is as an answer. Uh, but sometimes that's just the answer. Now, I think, to my mind, the number one reason for this rule is to avoid people from manipulating the experience mod. So the the number one thing, and I'm sure that both of you have dealt with this in your career, um, you've got a business and their experience mod's a dumpster fire. And so they ask, well, can I just right. start another company and move everything over there? <laughs> And start over with a 1.0? And the answer is no. Um, that experience is going no, to so transfer. So now they figured out they just go into an employee leasing company and do the same thing, right? right? That's the that's the <laughs> trick. You know, my answer to Kyle for that would be because if you're a sloppy operator, sure. you're a sloppy well, operator. I think that's the other and piece I think that's probably it. what the fundamental... Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the fundamental reason behind it is if you suck at operating a flower shop, <clears throat> you're probably going to suck at operating a dynamite manufacturer Definitely. too. Yeah, I mean, I think those two things are the, you know, it's it's that that thought and the you know keeping people from cheating the system. I think you've probably covered ninety five percent of the uh, the rationale for uh, for that. And you know, it's that you know the the first thing agents have to do when they write a piece piece of business is figure out you know are there other businesses. And, and I frequently ask in our workshops, well, how would you know if this business owner you're working with has ownership interests in other businesses? And Ask them. You know, generally. <laughs> well, right. But why right. would you ask them? Well, yeah, but the other it's, thing is we know that. So just on the front end, if we're doing our job right as producers, and again, I can't speak for any other state other than the state of Florida because I don't do this there. Before we ever even go to a first meeting with people, we go to the Department of State and we pull 
I, I do a search by that person's name and it'll show me any registered entity that's affiliated with that person where they're an owner or an officer. Mm-hmm. And that's really important for you to do. Like you should know that. And it's going to bring up things that may be irrelevant. Like maybe they have an LLC that's registered in the state solely for the purpose of holding their boat. Maybe they are on a nonprofit board of directors. That's probably relevant information, both from a personal lines and a commercial perspective. But you can at least get a list of all the things that they're attached to. And then it's it, 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 it's a more natural questioning to say, hey, I've done some research. It looks like you're affiliated with this, 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 and this. What did I miss? Is there anything else out there? And it's at least a better look for you as opposed to going in and just saying, hey, you own right. anything else? You know, at least put some effort into it. And I know that Kyle does that, but I mean, if your state has the ability for you to look up by someone's name what they're attached to, do that every time. Like that's that's basic blocking and tackling for me. Right. Well, and it's also, I mean, I actually just brought up the application to have the exact wording. Question five under general information on the workers comp app is uh, is applicant engaged in any other type of business? Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's it's just a question that it's information you should have. And I love what you're saying, David, about looking looking them uh, looking them up. That's that's very good. And just because they have an ownership interest doesn't mean automatically that that you know it's something that's combinable. They might own ten percent of something else, and none of the owners of that other entity are involved in the one that you're insuring, but you want to know about it. And well, Florida takes it a step further, man, on our app, on our Accord app, which is a Florida specific app. It asks you the two questions on the last page, right above where the signature fields are. If you are, if you own 50% or more of another organization or whatever, I mean, it it has two very specific questions and here's the problem. People just pencil whip that application, right? (laughs) The producer goes, they bind the coverage and they're like, oh crap, I didn't answer anything. Eh, They probably don't own anything. Bam, bam. Next thing you know, they're out. Meanwhile, you find out this guy's got 15 different construction projects under different LLCs that he owns all of, and you've now just falsified an application or your client has, your client has an answered the question appropriately, but 99% of the time, I'm going to tell you that the producer does not go in and ask those general information questions, and they don't ask the combinability questions in Florida, and as a result, they create the problem for themselves. It is shocking to me, David, absolutely, it's ruined my day that you would suggest that any agent has ever not asked (laughs) their client every single question on the application (laughs) before they completed it. That is completely new information to me. Um, I'm sure no one listening to this podcast has ever, has ever done that. It's, but you're, you're absolutely right. Is that, you know, and it could be, you know, something as simple as, you know, like with hotels are a great example. Uh, you know, if you own one hotel, especially if it's like a franchise, you know, a name brand hotel, if you own one, probably better than average chance you own more than one. And each of those is very likely in its own LLC because that's how the lawyers and the accountants want it done. Well, if you're calling on one hotel. Well, that's because they get paid more money to do it that well, way. Well, yeah, and there's asset protection pieces to it, all of that. But if you're calling on one hotel, you know, are you asking if they have ownership in others? Are you, you know, when they look at buying something, you know, and this is where, you know, a huge chunk of the questions that we get come in, which is, you know, my client is looking to buy or sell or has bought or sold 
all or a piece of a business, what happens now? And that's where things get, get really confusing. So, I mean, I guess I can jump in right there and and tell you about the situation unless you got something, David, that you wanted to say. Well, yeah, my, my question is, and this may answer your question for you, but let's just say that you, you know, we're seeing a lot of consolidation yeah. in the insurance industry. We're seeing it everywhere else, too. Um, service contractors particular particularly have been very attractive targets for venture capital funds right now. Or larger service contractors that are doing what agencies do and grow through acquisition. So my question is, let's let's just say I've got a service contractor and I've, I'm pretty good size and there's a couple more that are smaller than me and I decide that I want to acquire those and bring them in under my umbrella. When the new mod is calculated, is it as simple as just taking the unit stat cards from all of the entities, putting them into the um, software that they use to calculate this and it's going to spit out a combined number or is there more to it than that? So what I would do, and let's just assume that they all have the same effective date because that, that makes it, that makes it easier to, to think through. So let's, let's imagine they all have a January 1st effective date. Then that's note number one, Kyle, uh, if they don't have the same effective date, then you just have to figure out, you know, which one's going to control the effective date. But so you wait for the transaction to happen. You submit the ERM-14. I'm a fan of submitting the ERM-14 to the Bureau. I dealt with a situation last week where it was kind of a complicated deal, um, actually with venture capital. And they submitted it to the company and the company pushed back. And I said to the agent, I said, I mean, the questions they're asking aren't necessarily unreasonable. But it's also not the company's decision. But it's not... it's not the company's decision, right? They're just going to pass it along to the bureau. So cut out the middleman. You know, you're going to have to tell the insurance company, you know, that you've got this new payroll and whatever it is. But you know, send the ERM 14 to the bureau and let them ask questions. So you submit the ERM 14, and then what's going to happen is all of those January one mods are going to get combined, and a revised mod is going to be issued that's going to be effective retroactively to the date of the transaction. And this is where it's really important to delineate how NCCI handles things versus uh, the other states that I mentioned. There's one or two independent bureau states that haven't adopted the change in NCCI's rules. About two years ago, NCCI changed their rules. It used to be you have to report it within 90 days of the transaction. If you do that, it's retroactive to the date of the transaction. If it's after 90 days, we're just going to issue a revised mod on the next mod date, whatever that should be. But they changed that rule to say, we're going to revise the current and the two prior mods. And the insurance company is responsible for either charging additional or returning premium retroactive to the date of the transaction or the current or two prior mods whichever is more recent. And so what they did was they closed a loophole where you could say, oh man, you know, combining these two entities is going to be bad for my client. I've got a really busy next quarter. I'm just going to wait like four months to complete that ERM-14. Then I can kind of skip a year of the impact of that. And they closed, uh, they closed that loophole. Um, I don't think it's necessary to go back to the unit stat reports. I would just use 
uh, the mod worksheets. Now, where a lot of people get confused is they'll say, well, you know, is it just the average? Like, how does that work? And it's, it's really important to understand that it's an entirely new experience rating, right? That all of the payroll and claims are now all on this single mod. So presumably the expected losses are higher. You know, if you're an NCCI, that's going to impact the, the weighting value. That's going to impact the ballast. That's going to ultimately impact the stabilizing value. You know, so it's not as simple as, well, this company has a 75 and this one has a 125. So when they combine, they're going to be a one. Uh, you you have to do all of that. Yeah, no, I, I always wondered if it was as simple as just taking, and I said unit stats, but I really meant the mod mm -hmm. worksheet and just taking the data from that, like you would be doing, let's just say you were going to put it into Mod Advisor. It, would it be as simple as taking all three worksheets and putting the data from all mm -hmm. three into Mod Advisor and letting them calculate what the combined mod is yeah, at that point? Yeah, if they all have the same uh, valuation, if the same mod effective date, the answer is yes. If they don't, then you have to determine what's the actual effective date of the mod going to be. And then you have to figure out uh, what policy periods fit on that mod based on that effective date, which then takes you down the experience rating period calculation, uh, which we no that that is immediate red signal, red flag for me that this goes directly to NCCI. If they're, do if not, they're, if they're different you know, dates, do not stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, different I, dates I would argue, I mean, yes, it needs to go to NCCI, but you know, I think if you've got a client, you know, it's it's worth figuring out what they should expect. And and we talked about this earlier, David, not in the podcast, but before we, we started talking, is, you know, when do you want to know as an agent, when do you want to know your client is considering acquiring all or part of another business? Well, you, you want to know before it happens. And before I continue on that rant, let me make very clear, probably the number one misconception that I hear about ownership changes, which is, well, they just bought their assets. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, by the rules, uh, and if anybody wants to dig into this, uh, in the NCCI manual, it's rule 3C, uh, specifically 3C1 of the experience rating plan, it outlines what is an ownership change. And certainly that's, you know, sale transfer conveyance of all or a portion of an entity's ownership interest. Uh, but it's also the sale transfer or conveyance of an entity's physical assets to another entity that takes over its operations. You know, in the world of small and medium-sized business transactions, it is unusual, not unheard of, but unusual for the actual entity itself to change hands for a variety of different reasons. They sell the equipment, the intellectual property, you know, all of that and the employees right. transfer over and they continue doing what they're doing. Um, the fact that you did not buy the entity does not get you out of buying their experience. And if your client is calling you before they do this transaction, then you have the opportunity to help them understand this is what the impact's going to be. This is how you can expect it to change, you know, what's happening with you going forward. If you have a client where they're very mod sensitive, because if their mod creeps over, say 1.0, they're not going to be able to bid on jobs or whatever, you know, they would really probably prefer to know that before they sign on the dotted line. But too often, Agents are finding out later, you know, hey, we just we just bought this company. Like, what do you, you know, add them to the policy? Well, it's not 
you know, it's not that simple. Um, and if you, if you ever really want to know if you're a trusted advisor to your clients, you know, I would use that as a yardstick. Do they call you before they make a big business changing decision or do they call you after? Because they called their accountant and their lawyer before. Right. Let me ask you this, Kevin. I think one of the things that probably bothers agents the most is the turnaround time of getting information back from NCCI. Because of how versed you are in this, you know, is this something you're able to project? Is that a, a fee for service thing that you do at the institute? Yeah, you know, we don't do direct um, mod projections. I'll certainly help folks, you know, work through the impact and kind of do some back of the envelope math of what that might look like. But we encourage all of our folks to have access to some type of mod analysis software that's going to be, it's going to answer the question more accurately and, and more quickly than, than we could probably do. Now, what we do all the time and part of you know our workers comp help desk is you call and you say, hey, my client is looking to buy this business or my client has bought this business. Here, here are the two mods. You know, what's going what's gonna to happen? Okay, well, so let's talk about, you know, are the effective dates the same? If they're not, which one is going to, which of these two entities is going to control the effective date going forward? What policy periods are going to fit on the experience mod? <clears throat> How can you cancel, not cancel, counsel? Uh, your client and you know when it if they're talking to you pre-transaction you know are they going to back out of a business deal because this company has a 175 experience mod probably not but could they you know negotiate right. some terms you know it's kind of like when you send in the home inspector before you buy a house are you going to not buy the house probably not unless the what the inspector unless it's comes on a sinkhole so catastrophic <laughs> right. But but yeah. you absolutely can negotiate some different terms because if you're buying this really bad experience, then, you know, you can figure out what what the impact is going to right. be. Yeah. And I, th I think a lot of the business owners that we deal with just don't really understand how that works because, you know, frankly, like David said, there's a lot of agents that don't really understand how it works, um, you know, my, myself included, at, you know, at some points. But, um, you know, the particular prospect that I'm dealing with is is just that it's a prospect. So I didn't, you know, have that um, relationship beforehand, but you know, they just, it was a service contractor. Like David said, they, um, they purchased, you know, they, um, a, a bunch of smaller businesses in the same industry, um, you know, back a few months ago. And I'm talking with the prospect yesterday or the day before on the phone and they're like, well, yeah, we were thinking about, you know, we want to just try to keep everything separate. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's not how it works. But, um, I mean, I can understand why you would want to do that, but you know, it's, um, it, it definitely can be confusing for them for sure. Well, and, and you can insure them separately, right? Like you can write a different policy for each of those businesses. They just need to right. share a mod. Yeah, unless your carrier throws shade at you saying we well, want all of it on yeah, one policy, that, I mean, and that becomes that but that's yeah, that becomes issue. an underwriting issue because, and especially if they're they're smaller businesses, you know, they might not want just this one one little piece that performs poorly. They they want the whole thing if they're gonna if they're gonna take that bit, and you know, so that you know that's a different question. But with the exception of Pennsylvania, 
uh, there's no requirement that they be insured on the same policy in order mm-hmm. to be combined. So let me ask you this. What happens if they don't disclose it? What happens if they don't disclose it and somehow you manage to make it 12, 18 months and then boom, you find out all of a sudden that there's like three entities that you had no clue even existed. And look, it'd be so hard for this to happen, but what wouldn't be hap- what wouldn't be hard to hap- have happen is your client cons- you know acquire th- things and not tell you about it, right? So is there a penalty? Is there a penalty that's imposed on the client if they make acquisitions like that and don't report it to NCCI in a timely fashion? Yeah, so so rule um, rule 3F of the NCCI experience rating plan is titled evasion of experience rating modification. Uh, and it goes on to talk about that, you know, businesses may take steps to evade the proper application of an experience rating. Some of those may be, they don't use the word nefarious, but they're essentially saying like some people might do something intentionally to avoid it. Other other times it might just be the business, like what Kyle was talking about. Hey, we just want to keep everything separate. Um, NCCI doesn't care. What they say is they can combine experience that would otherwise not be combinable, separate experience that would have been combinable, exclude experience that would have been included, and the list goes on. And there is no statute of limitations on this rule. <clears throat> and and a very reasonable question here, and one that I get asked pretty frequently, is have you ever seen this happen? And the answer is no. What we've seen over time, and I expect that that you guys have seen this in, in your business, is that NCCI tends to take the, uh, the view that, hey, these rules are complicated. Most people really don't understand it. If you're reporting it to us now, that's cool. Now, as I was explaining before, the NCCI rules now, if you if you had a ownership change that happened, say, January of 2015, and it gets reported at the end of 2021, they're going to combine the, the current and two prior mods. And if those mods change, the carrier or carriers that were involved uh, have the right to collect additional premium based on the change in the mod or the responsibility to return premium if the resulting mod is lower for one or more of those entities. My concern for businesses that do this incorrectly as we move forward in time is that we've seen some evidence that NCCI is improving their ability to find these things in an automated fashion. Because when I've asked NCCI, you know, hey, there's this rule. Have you guys ever dropped the hammer on someone the way that's described in this rule? The stories that I've been told are are people kind of by chance discovering two entities and then doing some investigation and finding they should have been combined. You know, two companies with the same mailing address that have <clears throat> that have different experience mods. But multiple times over the last 18 months, I've talked to agents where NCCI has reached out to insurance companies and because they flagged claims that look funny. One specifically I remember was a $60,000 medical only claim. And NCCI said, you know, this is like, this can't happen. You can't have a $60,000 claim that is medical only. You know, you're going to need to explain to us why there was no indemnity on this claim. Well, there is a 0% chance 
given the volume of data that NCCI receives, that a human saw this on a screen somewhere and flagged it. That had to be some sort of algorithm that's looking for things that are are outside of a certain set of parameters that they've defined. And I strongly believe, although this is just a hunch uh, and I don't have any any sort of hard data behind it yet, but I, I strongly believe that if they're using machine learning and algorithms to to find things that are are out of place on claims, there's no reason that's not eventually going to extend into this kind of conversation with with ownership. And there is almost always going to be data that ties these things together with the policy information that gets submitted to the Bureau. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what machine learning does over the specific to this over the course of the next five or six years, if not sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so my position on it is that if, if you have a client that is in a situation where they aren't, you know, the, the client has to sign the ERM 14, right? Like it's not, we can't go filling these out on behalf of our client and submitting them. That's, that's not cool. And if they say, well, I'm not going to sign it. Well, then you you have a decision to make, but the answer I'm always going to give is, you know, there's there is a this is a black and white question. Like there is a right a right way and a wrong way to do this. If your client refuses to do it the the right way, then you know you have a decision to make about whether or not you want to continue to work with them and I won't judge you regardless of which decision you make as long as you've made it very clear to the client that you know, should someone somewhere catch wind of the this being wrong, that it could it could come back and smack you in the face, regardless mm-hmm. of your refusal to to do it yourself. I I mean, Kyle, that is yeah, I think that that was pretty pretty solid. Um, definitely, you know, took some notes here. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm all good on that now. Things have been cleared up. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> 3C1. That's all I'm going to tell you. Mm. Come on, lady. 3C1. <laughs> what, you, what are you doing? Well, let, let, mm-hmm. Anyhow, listen. This is the last recording before we sign off for Christmas. So I hope everybody has a great weekend. I'm getting ready to start my uh, Christmas holidays, Kevin. I know your family celebrates Hanukkah. So a couple you're, weeks ago. You're wrapped up, aren't you? Yeah, that was uh, was just just after Thanksgiving, but uh, but our daughter's home from college, and our high school age son is is home and chilled out. So we're going to enjoy the weekend. We're going to have some God. Chinese food, as <laughs> is the uh, the tradition of Jewish people on uh, on Christmas Day. And shoot, um, man, you could go swimming yeah, right. with the there temperatures there. <laughs> yeah, all the all the pools are closed. It's uh, they still close the pools on Labor Day, no matter. Uh, no matter what, but uh, we hope you guys have uh, have a great Christmas, and Thanks, we'll look man. forward to talking to you soon. Yep, sounds good. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya. You've been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.